Um, we're taping this. Okay, good. The um, you know the title of the series is Feldman and Feldman uh, on marriage, and uh, last year uh, Dr. Aaron and I worked together. Hi, Dr. Aaron, welcome. And uh, and uh, this year we worked together but separately. And so I, I can just tell you, number one, I cannot in any way compete with the jokes that you heard last week. There's no way, there's no way in the world. Um, but uh, uh, when, when, I, when the topic was suggested by Rabbi Foxbrunner that we talk about um, uh, the do's and don'ts when your spouse is unhappy, so I immediately said, okay, then I'm gonna do the anti-Aaron and I'm gonna do the do's and don'ts of when your spouse is happy. So uh, that's what we're gonna talk about tonight, the do's and don'ts of when your spouse is happy. Um, if you're here, first of all, if you're here, that's a good sign um, because it means that you actually are willing to, to consider the possibility that your spouse is happy and now you want to know what to do about it or what to not to do about it. And that's very good. It's very encouraging. Uh, either that or maybe you know your spouse is miserable and you're trying to cover things up by acting that you belong in this session. So either way, uh, we hope that this will make a little, little bit, of a, a bit of a difference. So. Um, First of all, before we get into anything, the key in any, in any marriage, the key in any relationship uh, that you care about and that you're invested in is to be creative. And when I say creative, I don't mean imaginative. I don't mean that kind of thing. I mean literally to see yourself as a creator as opposed to a passive participant who ends up in some kind of a relationship because it just ended up that way. The key is to be creative, to actually be proactive and actually seeing yourself as the pilot of your relationship, the author of your relationship, that you're going to actually say how it's going to go, uh, at least as far, as far as you can go. You're not going to sit there and be observing and reacting and complaining or even passively being happy because somebody else is treating you well, therefore I'm okay. But you actually want to take responsibility to be creative, that you're the creator, you're the initiator. Um, so let's start with this. Let me, before we even talk about some do's and don'ts, let's start with this. How do you know your spouse is happy? How do you know? What are, what are some clues? How would you know if your spouse is happy? Don't be... What? Uh, okay, good. All right, she's humming. All right, good. All right, maybe she's in a good mood, something like that. All right, what else? Any other clues? Yeah. They're kind of in your space a little. Oh, they're like around you a little bit, or they're right there. They're, I'm just repeating it in case people don't hear. They're, they're in your space a little bit. Yeah. More touching. They're more physical with you. Right. Yeah, 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 more touching. Yeah. Yes. So they're actually doing what they, as a couple, have assigned to themselves as their roles. And they're actually doing it as opposed to passively being on strike or something like that. Yeah, they're actually they're doing their jobs. Right, got it, very good. What else, any other clues, any other indications? How would you know, for those who just arrived, we're looking for, how do you know your spouse is happy? How do you know when he, she is happy? When they have a smile on their face. When they have a smile on their face, yeah, okay, yeah. 
It could be, they could be smiling because they think you're a jerk, you know, and they just can't get over how ridiculous it is. But usually the smile is, yeah, it's usually, usually happy, yeah. They're expressing appreciation? They're, oh, they're expre- right, expressing appreciation. They actually are saying things to you like, I really, really enjoyed that, or when you said that, or when you did that, or that was really nice, or I saw how you treated that person, it really made, made me happy, yeah, that kind of thing. They express appreciation, exactly. What else? What else would you, how else would you know? Anything else? There's one big one. When they're not doing the things that you know they do when they're not happy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, yeah. When misery does not abound, you know they're happy. When there's no misery in your house, then you know your spouse is happy. No misery today, yeah, got it, okay. Okay, very good. Anything else? Yeah, there's yeah okay they're speaking nicely yeah these are all good clues. Anything else that are even more direct? They tell you. What's that? They express. They 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 they, 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 they express that they're happy or not. They are very happy. Yeah, so, so that's yeah, very good. They actually say that they're happy. And here's another one. Suppose they don't say they're happy. Here's a, here's a very very important tip. Ask them. Ask your spouse. Are you happy? Now, but don't ask them unless you're willing to live with the answer. Meaning that, you know, and, and most people, by the way, will probably, if they are happy, they, most people are not trained to just be happy. They're trained to be happy, but, right? Yeah, I'm happy, but it really would make a big difference if, right? But that's, that's, that's where the juice is. But the point is, sometimes you can, you can actually ask, right? The reason we don't ask very often is because we're not really willing to live with the answer because, because we kind of suspect we even know part of the answer. Not just yes or no, I am happy, I'm not happy. But we know what area they're not happy in. We already know a little bit, so we don't want to ask. And we don't want to notice because we don't want to have to deal with it. But one way, if you're really interested in knowing if your ha- if spouse is happy, is to ask him or her. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to use the word them, even though now that has become a politically correct word to use, and I hate being politically correct. Um, but it happens to work. The them here means him or her, okay? It doesn't, uh, so. Uh, yeah, so, so what, I, what I have over here, same, similar to what you uh, folks came up with, their mood, you can see that. You could, um, you're getting attention from them, right? You're actually getting attention from them, so obviously, um, there's got to be some pleasure and, and happiness on the other side. They're trusting you, right? They're actually trusting, they're confiding in you, they're telling you things, like things that bug them. Not about you, but just like when something's on their mind. They're worried about something coming up, there's a test coming up, there's a project coming up, there's a challenge coming up, and they actually say, you know, I don't know if this is going to work out, or they just, uh, they just tell you that they're worried about it. Why are they confiding in you? because they actually, they're trusting you. And um, when, when they are overtly unhappy, the last person they want to talk to you is you. They want, the last person they want to talk about anything important is you. Yes, sir? Sorry, I, I don't know if you covered this, but is there a distinction between whether or not they're happy in general or happy with you? Thank you very much. I'm very good. I meant to make that clear. I'm talking about happy in the relationship, right? Um, it, it may, there is, a, there is a, um, a high correlation, I believe. I don't say this as an expert, and I haven't seen any studies. But I think there is a high correlation between somebody who's happy in life and somebody who's happy in their marriage. 
Um, or, or put it the other way, there's a high correlation between those who are unhappy in life and those who are unhappy in their marriage. Very rare that somebody is unhappy in life and is happy in their marriage. Um, unless unless they're, they enjoy being unhappy and their marriage is a source of unhappiness, then they're really happy in their marriage because they enjoy <laughs> being happy, unhappy. But that's very rare, and I don't mean to be facetious about that. These are, these are uh, but anyway, but thank you. We're talking about being happy in the relationship. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, another way you can tell is if they're showing you regard, right? If your spouse is showing you interest, just in generally, they're about trivial things. You saw, you know, last week you said that this, uh, this um, I don't know, this, uh, this test was coming up, this, me- this medical test. When is it? You just, you just, they're showing, and then, so they're inquiring about you and they're interested. Um, you know, just yesterday, I, I, Miriam and I were both out of town in separate things, both relatively challenging. Um, Miriam was doing a Shabbaton, and which is, has comes with its rewards and challenges. And I was uh, up in Cincinnati as, as a scholar in residence, and to, talking to groups of people that I've never met before. Didn't know exactly who you know exactly who I'm dealing with, and what exactly is the level that they want to hear something or deal with thing, or how how engaged they would be, that kind of a thing. So Matzai Shabbos, we, uh, my wife called me. So she calls and she says, tell me how it went. I said, pretty good. She says, tell me each session and how each session went. So, okay, that's great, okay. I went through each session and what the topics were and how they went. And then I almost ended the phone call without asking her how the Shabbaton went. Right? Like, how the Shabbaton went with the high school, you know. And then I like almost lunged at the, oh, by the way, how did it go with the Shabbaton, you know? And then she told me. So the point is, so at least I recovered enough to realize she does have a world and I'm interested in it. But, you know, so that's, uh, that's always important. But asking them is important. And I think, there are, I think once in a while, just ask. Not because you, I notice you seem unhappy. Are you happy? No, not that. Just, are you happy? Are there, you know, well, how, how, would, how could things be better for you? What can I do for you to make things better? All right. Now, uh, before we go forward, I just want to say I, I, I have a major limitation. And I, I think you all know what that limitation is. I'm a male. So I, I can't, I can't for no matter what, no matter how insightful I might be or experienced I might be, or no matter how much women tell me things, uh, I still am a male, which means even when they tell me things, I didn't hear what they said. I, I only heard my interpretation of what they said, and it's a male interpretation of what the woman said, and therefore I had no idea what they were talking about. And so I, so I'm just saying, so I totally confess from the beginning that I am. This is a male slanted thing, not biased in favor of males, just hopelessly male. That's all. It's not in favor of males. As a matter of fact, in Cincinnati, one of the sessions I gave was five things you need to know about your husband. And um, it's really interesting what happened. I went through, um, actually I came up with nine things, but the, five, the session was five things. And I went through the five, th- the uh, several things. And um, basically, and I was representing men, and there were only women in the room. And um, uh, this morning, uh, one of the women who was there comes, comes over to me, and she says, Rabbi Feldman, I just want to tell you, I took exception to what you said yesterday on behalf of my husband. I felt that you were insulting my husband. Afterwards, the rabbi tells me this woman 
has one of the most difficult marriages in this, and her husband does not treat her well at all. And I was describing certain male defects, and she's the one who's telling me she took exception. No, she's not able to deal with, not able to deal with reality. Anyway, but this is still, but this is a male-oriented presentation. So, you know, the ladies, you might have to uh, excuse me a little bit. I'm going to try to balance it as much as I can in terms of, in terms of uh, reciprocity in both directions. So I want to try something very different over here, uh, different for me at least, um, because if we're talking about do's and don'ts in a, in a, when your spouse is happy. We actually have a very, very clear model. We actually have, you and I share a model of what to do when your spouse is happy. Let me ask you, let me ask you a question. Do we want Mashiach to come? Okay. okay, even if we don't know if we do, we're going to say yes. Okay, but we at least, offic- the official line is we want Mashiach to come. And many of us sincerely want Mashiach to come. We really do. Okay. So Mashiach will come one day. Okay. And then everything will be wonderful. What's going to happen? We're going to be real happy with God, and he's going to be real happy with us. Hayinu kechomim. We will be like dreamers, right? And there'll be a Beis HaMikdash. There'll be Tamiri Chachamim. There'll be... Uh, the Goyim will support us and love us. There'll be peace in the world. There'll be no famine. There'll be no disease. Everything's going to be wonderful. And we're going to be really excited about that for 20 minutes. But then we're going to get used to that, right? And then that's going to be it's going to be every day. And so let me ask you this. Is there any reason for us to be worried that once Mashiach comes, we're going to blow it? And it's not going to, and that we're going to lose, God forbid, the third base of Mikdash. And, um, and uh, we're going to stop being interested in Karbonos. And we're not going to relate to Karbanos, and we're going to think bringing a Karban Chattas is a stupid thing to do. It doesn't make any sense to slaughter some animals, sprinkle blood on the Mizbeach because they violated Shabbos. Mm, what, what, that's not, why, why won't that happen? Why won't that happen afterwards? Why aren't we worried about that? We actually act as if when Mashiach comes, it'll be over. Didn't it ever bother you? Like, what's going to happen after? We're going to get used to everything. So what's the answer? What, what do you think? Make up an answer. What do you think is the answer? Why, why won't that happen? Meaning, don't, there's no right answer to this question because the question itself is absurd. But still, what's the answer? Make up an answer. God's going to make it somehow that we won't. I don't see any other way. Okay, so, so Kaddish Baruch somehow is going to make it. Okay, that, that's one way of saying it, I think. What, 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 what will happen? What, why will it work? We'll get, I know, so we get accustomed to it, we're going to get bored with it. We're not going to invest in it. So how are we going to not be accustomed to it? Yeah. It should have to be a transformation of the nature of the human being. Exactly right. Yeah, which, right, which means we're going to stop being, um, um, we're going to stop being disinterested husbands. Okay? We're going to actually transform into being people who routinely invest. We're going to feel the presence of a Kaddish Baruch Hu so palpably that it will be unignorable, and therefore we'll, we will be invested in the relationship. So that's it, and, 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 and we're going to notice things. We're going to notice a Kaddish Baruch Hu over and over again. He will be unavoidable. That the earth will be covered with the knowledge of God, that the, that the knowledge of God will, will literally cover the, uh, cover the world. Um, and we'll pro- there's no question, we're going to build on what we have. When, when Mashiach comes, it'll be great, and we're going to build on that. We're not going to just coast. 
we're actually going to be invested in it and we're going to build it. Day one will be fantastic and day two will be even more fantastic. It'll be because we can actually grow in our relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu. And I would say that the basic context of the connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to be one of engagement. We're going to be invested in each other. And we're going to, therefore, they're not just, we're not, it's going to be a whole different level of awareness and therefore we'll be engaged. The point is that we do have a model for a relationship that, um, that uh, it, where the spouse is happy and we know what to do. We, we actually know what to do. So I want to go through a couple of things here. Um, because there are, there are some very, impo- very important clues that we have. And it's a little bit weird to do it this way, but I think it's worth, uh, worth doing it. Are you aware of the Sheish Zechiros, the six mitzvahs that we're required to remember? I'm not talking about the six constant mitzvahs. That's my wife's domain. She owns that this year. Okay, I'm not talking about that. Uh, I'm talking about the Sheish Zechiros which are the six things that the Torah says remember, except that one of them is not really true. One of them is don't forget. That's another story. We'll go through it. So the Torah tells us, yeah, Yossi, you and I have talked about this. Yeah, Unbelievable. Yossi took a, a sermon that I gave a few years ago on this uh, to heart, and he actually has, it's unbelievable. Yeah. What's that? Is that the m No, no, no. So, so the, the uh, it, let's go through them very quickly, very, very quickly. Um, the Zechira um, the number, we're supposed to remember every day, the day that we left Mitzrayim, right? Every day we're supposed to remember Yetzirah Mitzrayim. Number two, we're going chronological order of events. Number two is we're supposed to remember what Amalek did to us on the way out of Mitzrayim. We're supposed to remember that. Number three, we're supposed to remember the day we stood at Har Sinai, and we saw it, saw Hakadosh uh, Baruch and we're and we're supposed to remember that and pass it on to our children and our children's children the day that we stood at Har Sinai. Number four, we're supposed to remember what Hashem did to Miriam when she spoke lashon hara about Moshe, and Hashem reacted, and that teaches us about lashon hara. Number five, we're supposed to remember the ego. We're supposed to remember how we angered God by rebelling against Him at the foot of Har Sinai by worshiping the Egel Hazav, the golden calf. And number six the one that we all seem to remember pretty well, and that's Shabbos. Zachar is Yom Shabbos. It was yesterday's Aseris Adibros. Remember Shabbos. Those are six things that we're supposed to remember. So it's important to point out that when the Torah says remember, the Torah doesn't mean uh, occasionally, you know, look at a card in your wallet and think of these things. And, it's, and it doesn't mean agree with these things. Yeah, I know Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim. Yeah, that, that was a very impressive thing. It, 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 it's much more than that. It's an awareness that we're supposed to carry with us all the time. So it's not really remembering, because remembering implies that you're not aware, then you are aware. But real zechira that the Torah is talking about is that it imp- impacts your consciousness all the time, right? For example, somebody who's married, good marriage or not, always knows they're married. There's never a moment that a person does not know that they're married. It impacts their consciousness at every single moment. Um, yeah, so, so these, these six heroes could be said to be Hashem saying how he'd like our marriage to go with him. If you think about it. Kodesh Baruch was saying, here's how our marriage will work. Okay, number one, let's always recall how we got started, how we fell in love, what happened, 
what was, what was the magic of those first moments? Because that's what Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is all about. Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is, is my, um, the voice of my beloved is skipping over the mountains to, to redeem me. So let's, all, let's, all, let's always remember the beginning. What, what, what does that mean? It doesn't mean every day you have to talk about, you know, remember the first time I called you up. I'm not talking about that. But, but a, a willingness to regularly visit the beginning of a relationship and what you saw in each other. Um, number two, Amalek. What is Amalek? Amalek is a lot of things. But number one is, Amalek is that um, we stand for something. And therefore, Amalek is always going to be rising up against us. You don't stand for anything. Amalek is bored with you. You stand for a Kaddish Baruch Hu, Amalek will, will, that's what they did. They couldn't stand the fact that we stood for something. So a couple has to realize also that they stand for something. It doesn't have to be a public message. We get very confused about these things. It doesn't have to be that you broadcast it or that you tell anybody or that you have a podium to tell everybody what the marriage is about. It's just that you stand for something yourself. You stand for peace, you stand for wholesomeness, you stand for chesed in your life without anybody knowing that you said that to yourselves as a couple. But you stand for something. Ma'amad um, Harsinai, standing at Harsinai, the whole encounter with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I would say that that is HaKadosh Baruch Hu is saying to us that I want you very much to recall the powerful moments of intimacy that we've had. Because we had, at Harsinai, we had the ultimate intimate moment with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, total encounter with him. He, I mean, we were, there was not, nothing, no human being was ever more intimate with HaKadosh Baruch Hu than at Harsinai. And therefore, revisit not only the beginning, but revisit moments in your relationship that are special, that give you power, because they tell you about each other and, how, and your love for each other. Also, be willing to talk about the times that you screwed up. That's what the Egel is all about, Egel Azov. Be willing to talk about the times that you take responsibility for something that wasn't so good. Um, because, um, because in a relationship, unless we realize the potential for hurting the other, we really are not in a relationship. Unless we recognize the responsibility that we have for damaging the relationship, when we're not really fully uh, embracing what the relationship is about. But when we see what, we, what could happen, God forbid, to the other person, how we could abandon them, then we actually recognize our responsibility. Um, which leads to the Miriam thing. Remember what Hashem did to Miriam, which means our relationship is delicate. Our relationship requires care. Nuanced behaviors make a difference. Small things make a difference. We have to be very, very careful with each other. Uh, and finally, Shabbos, that a couple has to create islands of time that are sacred. And very often we think of, of that when, you know, when things, when we grow apart, when we get busy, when we feel a little bit distant, that's a time that we should actually spend time together, go out, go away, whatever it is. It's actually the other way around. When things are going well, then we should actually create times when we can actually invest in each other during the times when things are going well, spending time with each other without reacting to a problem, not because in reaction to a problem, but actually proactively just doing it because we actually are invested in each other. So that, those, are those informed me a little bit as I was thinking about this, what we, how, to, how to engage or some of the do's and some of the don'ts in relationship 
with a spouse that you actually feel good about or feels good about you. And there's still, there's still many, many things that a person can do and should do and still many things that a person should not do. So here's a couple of, here's some do's and don'ts, okay? Um, the most important thing in your marriage, bar none, the most important thing. Anybody want to guess? And I can't be wrong. I made this up. Okay, I, I, I made... Okay, you, anybody have any ideas? Respect. Be, yeah. Respect, very good, yeah. Okay. Okay, okay, children, very good, okay. That you're, you're too serious, Yossi. But you're right, you're right. Huh? Communication, okay, good. I, I, I have a much better one. Put the cap back on the toothpaste. Right, which is respect, right? Or put, you leave the toilet seat down. I will tell you, that's one of the biggest accomplishments in my marriage. It really is. I actually have learned to do it, and I, I'm telling you the truth. I've gone at least three years, three years in a row, and I've never, ever kept the toilet seat. That's the real truth. It's there's on a, tape. There's a bummer about that, yeah. that you, yeah. you earn better parnasso when you're in it. Yeah, 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 I didn't know about that. I didn't know that. It's interesting. Boy, there's a lot to talk about there. Yeah. Okay, very good. All right, so but my point, that's a metaphor. That's a metaphor for, for things. It, that may not be the cap on the toothpaste, but there are other little things that keep on coming up. Uh, the, other, <laughs> the other night, um, yeah, I, I eat this kind of crazy, um, uh, what's it called, steel-cut oatmeal in the morning breakfast. My wife makes it most of the time for me, whether I'm around or not, but she makes it and leaves it there and then I come and get it, whatever. So the other night she says to me the following, when you put the, it's a special dish that we have that goes in the microwave, you know, to at least let steam out and the whole thing. When you put the oatmeal thing in the sink, it helps if you put water in it so that when I, so that when I wash it, the, it'll come off quickly. Now, I, uh, let me tell you something. Um, I can't stand putting dry, dirty dishes in the sink. And for, for, I'm married for 43 years. And as far as I know, I have always, always uh, put water on the dishes when I put them in the sink. And my wife knows it because I put at least half the dishes in the house in the sink. And they're wet. And she never told me this before. So when she told me, please, put water in the dish because it makes it easier, I felt like saying, you think I'm an idiot. You think I don't know that you're right. And, it was, and I was saying to myself, but you have never had to tell me this before. Why are you? So then I realized the reason is because there are other things that she's told me that I have never listened to. And therefore, she doesn't know which of the things that she tells me I'm going to listen to and which things not. And therefore, she spoke to me as if I was an imbecile. She, and I said, okay, by the way, the reason I didn't put water in that morning is because I played a game with myself and I threw it across the room with a backflip to see if it went in the sink, and it did. Okay? So... I, you know, I wasn't near this tap, and therefore I didn't fill in the water. That was the first time that I've ever not put water in. Okay. It was plastic. Okay. Anyway. Anyway, so put the cap and other things back on the toothpaste. Okay. So now here's another, here's a, a very important do. 
compliment and appreciate and acknowledge. Okay, now, this is very important because it's important to get it right. What I mean by that is, if somebody's happy, there's an absolute tried and true way to make sure that they stop being happy. You know what it is? How do you stop somebody from being happy without being mean, without being hurtful? How do you stop a person from being happy if they're happy? Yeah. Don't acknowledge that they're happy. No, no, they can stay happy even if you don't acknowledge them, especially if they're really happy. They don't need you to acknowledge them. But, 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 uh, what? No, but that's mean. Don't criticize them. How do? How can you stop somebody from being happy without being mean? I'm giving away the secrets here. Call attention to the fact that they're happy. The, the, you cannot be happy and self-conscious at the same time. If you're happy, you're not thinking about yourself. It never, ever works. Okay? So the second you say, wow, you're so happy today, you've killed it. Right? So you don't compliment somebody, your spouse for being happy. You never say, you're, and you never say, oh, you're in a good mood today. It's such a pleasure. Because what you're saying is, what you're saying is the rest of your life, you're not in a good mood, and I just noticed today that you are, right? But that's another, but before that, you, what you don't want to do is call, is make a person self-conscious, because at that point, they stop being happy, and then they focus on, as a matter of fact, you may notice at your happiest moments in life, you're not thinking about yourself, and then when you say to yourself, why, I'm so happy, at that moment, you stop being happy. You just remember that you were happy a minute ago, and that gives you some pleasure. But you stop being happy when you think about the fact that when you watch yourself being happy, the happiness goes away. But yeah. You can say about everything. If you come and say, the, the bread you baked is great. You say, all the time that I did it 99% was not good. I mean, that, well, that, that, all right, yeah, that's, the, that's like the mother in law who said, What's the matter? You don't like the other sweater? You know. But, uh, no, there are there's there are ways of doing that where you where you, you know listen I get this every week Rabbi Feldman that drusha was unbelievable oh you didn't like the ass weeks right no but a person's saying it, it this hit me in a certain way that is not the same thing as saying I see you're in a good mood that really that you know that really uh, underlines that, uh, that you're, you normally see that they're not. But, the, uh, but besides that, even when you're just stomach, it's such a pleasure when you're happy or something like that. So I'm not talking about that. When I'm talking about compliment or appreciate or acknowledge, we're talking about, you know, I, like I said, I saw how you dealt with yesterday. That was amazing. Or um, uh, thank you so much for getting my socks ready. Or... Uh, thank you so much for putting water in the dishes, whatever it is. Um, finding things to compliment, that's always important to do. Finding things to acknowledge and appreciate. Um, number two, and this really comes back to uh, something we talked about before. Some of these will be repeats. Um, but they're a little bit more specific. Um, you know, some people, I, I say a lot, some couples think that spending time with each other requires a whole big creative date. Like you have to go somewhere, you have to have tickets to something, you have to go see a movie, or whatever it is, you can actually just say, let's go for a walk. And if you don't want to be seen walking around because you don't want your friends to see you walking around, that kind of thing, get in the car, drive somewhere, and walk out somewhere else, whatever it is. But the point is, just go for a walk. Going for a walk with that, you don't have to have an intense discussion about anything. But going for a spending time with each other, just, but asking to spend time with each other when things are going well. 
There's nothing to talk about. There's nothing to worry about. There always is, by the way, but, but it's not to fix any problem. Just investing. In other words, when a couple actually, it's like the Kruvim, literally the Kruvim. Bizman Shalmakom, when Klai Yisrael is doing God's will, you look at the Kruvim, you don't look at them, but the Kruvim were facing each other, right? So when things are going well, you want to be turning inward to each other, not turning outward, right? That's, that, that, that's dangerous. Um, here's something I think particularly husbands need to hear. When your wife is happy, do not consider that to be recess. <coughs> it is not like the teacher decided, the biology teacher who decided to give you 45 minutes of recess instead of giving you a test. And therefore, since your wife is happy, you can now watch the Super Bowl uninterrupted. No. You still need to show interest because your wife will quickly learn not to be happy because when you are, you're going elsewhere. So the point is, don't use happiness of your spouse, particular husbands, but wives can probably use this advice also, to, as a free ticket to ignore, because they're, okay, they're fine, now, now I can take care of things I want to take care of, or I can uh, otherwise be disengaged. Um, here's a, a non-practical one, but it's a great avoda, it's a great, it's a great um, uh, personal undertaking that I think can make a tremendous difference. Take the chance to internally admire your spouse. Meaning, this is the opposite of taking your spouse for granted, which means, what do you admire in your spouse and think about it? Don't tell them, just think about it. Grow what you like about your spouse, because it's not a fixed thing. You can actually be aware of what you like in your spouse and actually meditate about it, contemplate about it, and start realizing how significant and important it is and you can actually come to admire it even more than you already do. So it's, it's really a question of internalizing what you notice about your spouse. And as we indicated before, think about times that you really admired each other. Um, spend time talking about happy events. Get them talking about, get your spouse talking about how they feel about something. Ask questions. Ask questions. You know how many people, how few people in the world ever ask anybody what they're thinking, what their opinion is about anything, or what you like or what you don't like? Most people never get a chance to say that. It's a great favor to your spouse to give them a chance to talk about how they feel. Um, don't forget to include your spouse in decisions, right? Actually giving them a voice in decisions that you're making, even if they're not necessarily directly involved. But, um, but letting them know that you're taking their feelings into account is very important. Um, borrowed from the Amalek thing, know and, um, and care about their challenges. Like, what are the things that they're dealing with? Be aware of them. What are they dealing with? What are the things that, that give them a hard time? Ask them about it from time to time. Um, <clears throat> and then, of course, an obvious one, but something that isn't easily done, Listen, just listen, right? Without, without comment, without evaluation. Just let, when your spouse is talking, listen and let them know you're listening, right? They, they, of course, we talk about re reflective listening where you say, oh, so what you're saying is, but you don't want to be so formulaic about it. There are ways of indicating that you actually heard what was said. Um, if you make an intelligent comment about it, not an evaluation, but an intelligent comment about it, it indicates that you're engaged in the conversation. 
Um, I would say this to men. I think that it, I, I think this is really uh, uh, it's really important. And, and men don't like this. Women don't like this. But I think it's really true. Relate to your wife as if she is a navi from Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Your wife knows more about you and what you need to worry about and what's right and what's wrong than any other person in the world. And there, and she's willing to deal with it as opposed to most men. So what your wife says, assume God told her to tell you, okay? As if that's happened, okay? Whatever she says, it's true, okay? And I'm not trying to appeal to appease women. I'm not trying to make them feel good. I'm telling you, the only way God has to talk to men is with their wives. And, 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 and that's why we very often want to avoid hearing what they have to say, because it's, it usually resonates. We know somewhere deep down that it's, that it's true. So you've got to relate to your wife as a Navi, telling you. Um, now, wives, you can use some feedback from your husbands, but it, it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. All right, uh, let's see what else. Now, here's a couple of things here that maybe you don't expect to hear from me, but this, the, the, the two, uh, two things that I think are, are very good practices in a marriage. Kiss when you can, obviously, when you can. But kiss, and not a peck on the cheek, okay? Something that is appropriate for a husband and wife, not for a father and a daughter, okay? A husband and wife. So some romantic demonstration of caring. It's very, very important. And regularly, not just when you're feeling really overwhelmingly positive. But, um, uh, and this is not talked about enough in our circles. It absolutely must be done. We can open up a discussion maybe at another time. I just want to put it on the table of whether or not physical affection should be shown in front of the children. In my opinion, definitely should be. And I don't just mean casual. I'm talking about real physical affection. Because nowadays, children have so many awful models of physical affection and don't have the models of husband and wife affection. And I think it's very, it's a big chesed for them in terms of chinuch for children to see physical affection expressed. Appropriate physical expression. There's a difference between that which must remain private and that which is appropriate. And what's appropriate in front of the children may not be appropriate in front of your good friends and their guests. And their guests. But, so we have to use judgment. But physical affection, my point here is show physical affection to your wife. Forget about other people seeing it or to your, or to your husband. Um, and that leads to another thing which you might not expect me to say. Flirt with your spouse, okay? And nowadays, is finally, I finally found a good use for texting. Texting is a great way to flirt. Why is it a great way to flirt? Because you're not standing right in front of the person. You could say all kinds of cute things and it's private and it interrupts their day, and you could be 100 miles away or two blocks away, but you say cute things which show that you have a deep affection and affinity for the other person. So I'll leave that to your imagination, but and it doesn't have to, flirting doesn't have to be rated X. There's a lot of cute stuff you can do that's not rated X that will make your spouse feel that he or she is cared for and admired and, the, and it introduces a dimension of joy and humor in the relationship. Because what happens in a marriage so often is what we become task-oriented couples. And the whole job of our life is to get a task done. Who's taking carpool today? Who's going to take the kid to the doctor? Who's going to mow the lawn? 
who's going to clean up the so-and-so, who's going to get ready for Yom Tov, when's the sukkah going to go up, all these things. And they're all important, but that's not the reason that we got married. We didn't get married in order to assign tasks to each other, right? And they must be assigned. But the point is that we don't want to reduce our relationship to just getting things done. We actually want to connect to each other. And therefore, it's important. That's where, the, to me, um, that those kinds of communications with each other are, are very useful. All right. Let's see what else we have here. Um, yeah, also, an internal thing. It's not something you do with your spouse. But, but when you notice how different they are, there's a way to appreciate that difference. There's a way of accept, to accept that difference. You, you know, most of the time when we notice somebody's different, we think they're wrong because they need to be like me. Obviously, if everybody was perfect, they'd be like me. Um, but, and so when you notice that somebody's different, it's like, you know, they move slowly. And they, why can't they move faster? Well, that's because they're more deliberate. That's because they're thoughtful. That's because they're not rushed. That's because they're not anxious. That's because they weren't, they have a, there's a way, positive way of interpreting every characteristic that you see. So you want, sometimes you want to work on accepting the differences and actually starting to appreciate them. I cannot tell you how brokenhearted I was at the beginning of my marriage when I tried to bring my wife to baseball games and she had no idea and no interest in what was going on. And I tried to explain to her the beautiful poetry of what was going on, that you have, you have to look at the second baseman while the pitcher is delivering the pitch because you'll notice how he changes his stance and he knows what the pitch is going to be and he's going to move to the left or to the right because he's anticipating where the ball is going to go. And she was totally uninterested. And guess what? 43 years I'm married, I no longer even begin to ask my wife if she wants to go to the game with me. It's never going to happen. And I'm fine. I still love her and it's okay. She doesn't have to like baseball. Oh, boy. (laughs) Okay, and then an obvious one. An obvious one. Gratitude. Express gratitude. Just say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Gratitude, appreciation. Very important, no matter what. Even though it's something that, that your spouse is delivering all the time, something that you've thanked them for before, it doesn't matter. Continue to thank. Hakara Satov is a basic, basic midah, and, and it definitely should be practiced at home. Um, here are some don'ts, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll have a couple minutes for, for comments. So uh, let's see. We, the ones we covered already, we're not going to review them. Um, yeah, once it's very important to be able to confide in your spouse when something's bothering you. Not about them, but about life. But be judicious about it, which means sometimes if your spouse is actually enjoying life, there, there is a chesed in saying, you know what, I'm not going to bother them right now. I just want them to enjoy themselves. I don't. So even though it's not about them, you're not criticizing them, something's bothering you, maybe choose another time if they happen to be doing very well right now. It's not necessarily, they're not there just to hear your tzaras. They are to hear your tzaras, but they also have a life. There sometimes is a chesed. Just last night at, um, at the Malava Malka uh, up in uh, Cincinnati, a guy comes over to me, an intelligent guy, comes over to me. He says, listen, I just want to get your opinion. You're about to d- deliver this talk, and my wife's here, and she wants to hear you. And um, we left our kids home with our 10-year-old, and he's babysitting. And he called me on the cell phone, and he told me that two of the younger siblings threw up. 
So he says, the kid, the kid says to his father, first of all, I'm not going to clean it up. And number two is, I'm not sleeping in that room. So the father said, okay, fine, you can go to sleep in my bed. Don't worry about it, and I'll clean it up later on. So the guy says to me, I don't know if I should tell my wife. If I tell my wife, she's going to go home immediately, and I know she's not just going to take care of things. Once she's home, she's going to be stuck home. She's not coming back. And here she's all excited about having a night out. What should I do? So I said, what do you think you should do? So he said, so he says, I'm not telling her. I said, 100%. But you understand, when she gets home later, she will be upset at you for not telling you, for not telling her. And you have to be willing for her to be upset because she would have wanted to handle it. But meanwhile, you gave her a night that she enjoyed. So, so you know, that's what he did. I never found out what happened. <laughs> anyway. Um, <clears throat> Yeah. Um, don't, 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 here's another thing. Don't let them, don't let them be happy alone, which means borrow their reasons for being happy, right? Sometimes you say, that, that makes you happy? Yeah, yeah, get happy about their stuff. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't have to be, it, it doesn't have to be major stuff. Borrow their reasons, you know, and their excuses for being happy. Um, and then, um, yeah, no, that, that's, a, that's all the don'ts. That's it. I think that, that's it. Any questions or comments about all of this? Anything at all? Any objections? Did I miss the point? No, I liked it. Okay. Jan likes it. It must be. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And I acknowledge you for being engaged the entire time. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Well, I know you've seen things go very right in relationships and also very wrong. So wrong that things can get quite bad. Yeah. What can possibly happen to lead to those really, really bad situations? Oh boy, that's, um, let, me get, let me give you a short answer. The short synopsis uh, is, if a person is so preoccupied with his or her own world that he can't get into or be interested in the other person's world. And after that, it's all commentary. There are all kinds of manifestations. Now, and we're not talking about pathology here. We're not talking about people who perhaps uh, have uh, uncontrollable um, psychological issues or neuroses that are so ex extreme that they uh, interrupt the marriage. You're asking a question about people who are basically not governed by neuroses. We all have them, but, uh, but not governed by them. They're not pathologically ill and they have bechira, they have choice. What goes wrong is that they are preoccupied with their own needs to the exclusion of the other. And the whole point of being married is to escape oneself and be interested in the other. That's the short of it. Um, the rest is commentary, and it's, and it, but it's complicated commentary because most of us, especially us men, and I'm here, I think I'm biblically grounded, most men, we men, are designed to be selfish. Uh, and then we have to fight that. We have to get around that somehow. That's why we got married, and that's why women find us so frustrating, because they're dealing with somebody who is levado, and they're there to repair the levadoness. And it takes about 90 years. That's very good. Yeah. Would it help? Yeah. It seems like we're very well trained in our relationship yeah. with man to God. Would it help to use that same paradigm 
for a relationship man to man that means man to God. Yeah, but we have to be careful about that because um, because see, the problem is that God doesn't talk to us. So we, if we, if, if what we think is working in our relationship with God, if we if we just apply it exactly the same way to our marriages, we may be make mistaken because we um, we we can fool ourselves in our relationship with God. Right? I'll give you I'll give you a simple example. A person who dives three times a day might think that he is doing well with God. And the truth is, he's not really dominating. He's just reading words in a sitter, and he's not communicating God with God, and he's not humbling himself before God, and he's not, right, and it's not. So if he takes that paradigm and applies it to his marriage, he's going to be in trouble because it's not really an authentic relationship. So I'm not sure if we can really borrow that much. I'm not sure how much a person can borrow. I want to but they, one other thing. Yeah. When we had the discussion here uh, with you and your father, on, and we were had a divided uh basically on her. Uh, I asked a question. It was dealing with Shekhar and truth, and mm. Emmett. And so then I asked a question that in in that that there's a famous line in Shekhar and Kemalyofi. Then Rabbi Emmanuel Feldman said, well, it's interesting you bring up uh, this Friday night song. How many of, your, of the men actually say that, say the song, you know, praising the, the qualities of a woman? And there wasn't too much. And so then your, your father said, guys, get with it. So I if see. we internalize, Very good. if we internalize the qualities of a woman that we really feel are dear, especially uh, the, the prob- probably the prime quality of the woman is being a zomama, uh, and because zomama, I think of the whole of that whole prayer is the essence of that prayer. It's it's what separates Jewish women from non-Jewish. All right, Fred, women. you realize you're leading the witness. <laughs> I do. A, yeah. I'm what you're saying, what you're saying is very good. Zomama. You're saying is very good. Zomama. If you want to translate the zomama thing. Yes, yeah. it's, it's, it's someone who contemplates. It's a contemplative bit, yeah. contemplative person. Someone who contemplates what their conduct is going to result in. Okay, well, that, that, that's why I asked you to define it. That's, uh, that's, that's one definition, not the only one. That, but that's good. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, any other comments or questions? Yes. Just real quick, just to understand uh, like the repair. You know, yeah. This is the this is the, the fix to you know to keep yeah. it working and everything. But how do you how, for you know for all the little you know once we know like when we make mistakes and yeah. we sit there and we cause pain. Yeah. It's there. It's the it's the story of the the the, the story of you put the nail into the into the board you, and then every time you don't do something mean you pull the nail out but you still got holes in the board. So how do you how do you what? So it, 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 I believe that our understanding of authentic tshuva, you can actually not only pull the nails out, but you can actually heal the holes. And that's and, and when a person authentically takes ownership, I have seen the most extreme violations of marriage actually be repaired um, to the point where the spouse says, I don't know if I'll ever be able to trust him or her again and they end up trusting her again. And the reason they did is because the per- the, pers- the offender actually totally owned it and actually understands the damage that they did and actually regrets it and actually is willing to deal with it. When that happens, you can actually repair the whole. It can happen. Yes? 
to take the bait. It's a great question, but it's, it requires a little bit too elaborate an answer, and, 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 and I actually, I want to think about it. It's a great question. You know, I, I want to make sure that I didn't mislead when I used these, um, and I'm not responding directly to your question with this comment, but when I used the Sheish Zahiros as a model, I am not at all implying that the way we should run our marriages is by checking the Shulchan Aruch in terms of how we relate to a Kaddish Baruch Hu. It's a it's useful as a tool for getting certain things, but I think we should deal with our marriages in the merits of our marriages and their own merits in their own terms. You know, it's very difficult to borrow from, you know. Yeah. 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 And I'm not that the black's comment was not a response directly to your question. Yeah. Any uh, any other comments or questions? Anything at all? Yes. Something just occurred to me, and I don't probably have the story exactly right, but at some point. We're punished. We used to have our tents open so we couldn't see in each other's houses, and then something happened and they changed that. What's that story? Mm, not exactly. I think you're referring to Bilam Hanavi yeah. looks at the Jewish people and says, How goodly are your tents, O Yaakov? Mm -hmm. And he, he's praising the fact that everybody made sure that their houses were modest and that they weren't exposed to other people. Okay, so and my, that's a trait of the Jewish people. Right, yeah. My thought is that given the society that we're living in and the way things are nowadays, that looking back toward that model would be a really smart thing. It's very difficult to be married today and not look at someone else's life from what we see of it and go, oh, why aren't you more like that? Oh, why, why don't I have that? Like, you know, like that is very poison. And yeah, I, I hear your point. The point of the matovu was more about the um, the discretion that uh, a family has about what belongs inside and what belongs outside. You're talking about another important issue, which is how to run your life in terms of it, on its own merits as opposed to comparison with somebody else. It does become, I'll just make this comment, just become more difficult nowadays because we have a society that celebrates parading everything out there. Um, and, and not only that, we don't even feel like we had a feeling unless we texted it or put it on social media. And then, if I am happy and I don't tell you that I'm happy, then I'm not happy. So therefore, everybody's putting their stuff out all the time, you know. So it's, it's a big problem because uh, the only way we know how to measure anything is if other people know it. 
you know, and then we, you know. But anyway, I'm not sure if, I, but yeah, your comment is, is, is valid, 100%. A person who spends their time comparing their relationship to another one uh, is always going to come up unhappy, by the way. Oh, always. By the way, everybody else's relationship always looks better, unless it's awful, right? Because in public, everybody's very careful, you know. So if you want to, you, you never know what's really going on with other people. You never know. Trust me, you never know. Good and bad. Yeah, anything else before we close? All right, great to see you folks. I hope this is of value. And, um, Whose was this? Somebody left their uh, phone here? Oh, it might have been Rabbi Fox Buddy. Uh, yeah, let's...